Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, a podcast brought to you by RNZ Stuff and the Locker Room. I'm Barry Guy. The lolly scramble for the $265 million the government has allocated for financial relief for the sports sector is underway. Like every sector, sport has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Primary sources of revenue such as membership fees, pokey machine money and sponsorships are all drying up. So is this the four-year rescue package? Is it going to be enough? How should it be used? And what opportunities has this crisis presented us when it comes to how sport from the professional level to grassroots is run in the future? Today on the programme, we're joined by Netball New Zealand CEO Jenny Wiley, White Ferns uh, player Susie Bates, Steph Bond from the Players Association, sports journalist Kevin Norkey from Stuff, and Go, uh, Gordon Noble-Campbell, who's the chair of the New Zealand Amateur Sports Association. Jenny, uh, if we start with you, you recently spoke to the Parliament's COVID-19 Select Committee and painted a pretty grim picture for the sport. You've now got the ANZ Premiership coming back in a couple of weeks, but if we look perhaps a little bit down below that, no national secondary schools tournaments this year, but what about the rest? Um, you know, you've had uh, a few days now to let it all soak in and start working on it, I'm, I'm assuming. How's it all looking? Well, I think, um, as we all know, sport's going to look very different post this pandemic. Um, but what I do know is our centres and our clubs are hurting. Um, our winter, our doors are not open. Netball would be in full force by now. Um, so what I'm looking for as part of the sport recovery package is that real um, granularity of investment down at that community level to allow our kids to get out there and play sport this year. Um, and just to be able to recognise those voluntary organisations that are doing so much for that sort of unseen economy in New Zealand. So, yeah, really looking forward uh, to how this package is going to support them. Do you have any ideas? I mean, because it sounds like a lot of money, but when you look at every club around and every sport, it's probably not going to be. So how effective will it be? Well, I think um, in sporting terms, this, this is an enormous package. We have not seen this level of investment come into um, community sport at this level. Um, how that's going to look and how it's going to flow down and, and get the most benefit is going to require all of us to think about radical change in our system. We must ensure that as much of this gets to the front line as possible. Uh, we can't continue to tweak. This has to be um, you know, quite significant change both vertically, and when I mean by that, I mean from Sport New Zealand, uh, sorry, NSOs right down to their clubs, um, but also horizontally, and that is Sport New Zealand, high-performance sport, uh, RSTs and NSOs. Duplications and inefficiencies exist, and they need to be looked at with urgency. So that's more perhaps in the running of things. Uh, this week we've had just talk about um, some of the lower levels of rugby and how they might pay players. So are we getting to the stage where really those at the top are going to be professional and everyone else underneath will not be? 
Well, I thank everyone from elite to grassroots are hurting. And the system needs, you know, but all parts of the system coexist. That is our reality. Um, do we need a reset on some of the things that we do? And I think it's, it's system-wide. It'll be right down through grassroots as it flows up through talent and to the elite. So we're all going to need to think differently um, if we're looking for these, you know, sports to remain part of New Zealand's identity. New Zealand Amateur Sports Association, Gordon Noble-Campbell, you've obviously been trying to think differently uh, over the last couple of months. Your thoughts? Well, look, community sport has really become a factor of production for professional sport. And when we talk about the sport system, we need to take a lot of steps back and ask ourselves, what is the purpose of sport in society and in our communities? So there is the elite component, there is the conveyor belt, but there is a much bigger social purpose around having people being able to enjoy uh, their chosen sports in their community in a, in a positive, uh, positive way. One of the big challenges with the relief package is where will the money go and how will it be used? You've referred to this, Barry. Relief, recovery, reform. Let's not forget Treasury has forecast there's going to be 10% unemployment in New Zealand by the end of this year. If we assume that there's something like one and a half million family households in New Zealand, that means somewhere around 150,000 families are going to find it difficult to participate in sport. Wellington City Mission, one of the association's members, is already receiving requests for assistance from families for kids who want to play the game and they can't. The family just doesn't have the financial means to do it. So we need to think very carefully about that, and I won't monopolise the conversation, Barry, but one of the things which intrigues me in the association, in the relief area in particular, is that in Australia, for example, a voucher system has been implemented statewide or across the states where two children in a family experiencing financial hardship receives $100 to $150 to be applied for membership of a community club of a sport of their choosing in their community. That could be, for example, an effective way to deliver support, com com uh, maintain community engagement, and get, in particular, our kids back playing the game. It, so, that, I mean, that's key. I mean, Some of this money, uh, I, I would have thought, was for people to organise lower-level sport, you know, the uh, coordinators and administrators and those sorts of things. But you're, you're saying even before that, just allowing kids or people to participate is going to be an issue. There's a huge disincentive for families and an obstacle to actually getting down to the club, filling out the registration form, simply because for many families it's going to be... Um, a low priority. It is not. It is not going to be the thing they're going to be spending their money on. Uh, Jenny, if, quickly, if I just go back to you. I mean, are you hearing that from club players and, and whatever they they just want to get onto the you know the uh, netball courts? Yeah, I completely agree. Kids just want to get out and play, and we've um, actually suspended our affiliation fees this year at a netball New Zealand level for that very reason. We want sport to be affordable all of the roadblocks need to be removed. Uh, affiliation fees, that's just for any club that if they get back up and playing, they you know just really have to organise themselves to get on court? Well, that's how, what we want to do is make sure netball is already an incredibly um, low cost to the participant. 
Um, and so we have um, decided that Netball New Zealand won't take fees this year. Our zones have got a significantly reduced fee and we want that to be passed down to the participants so that the barriers to um, getting back down on the courts and registering don't become a financial barrier. And we're hoping, you know, there will be the ability to give even further relief as part of this package. Uh, Kevin, uh, if I come to you now, I mean, we're all associated with club sports. We'll go down and watch or participated or kids participated. I mean, just how do you see the club structure uh, in the future? Well, as a journalist, I'm, I'm not really acquainted with money, as you know, uh, but I do know about the love of sport, and that's that's been quite central to this conversation as well. I was a bit like Adi Savia crying when, when sport was off at the weekend and he'd go down to the rugby ground and see what was happening. And I do think the $265 million is a brilliant amount of money. And thank goodness Grant Robertson did that. I've done a few sums, and it's, that works out at $18,000 per club. So uh, we've got, I think, around 15,000 clubs. Now, that's not going to to actually be a saviour, but it will help. So, I mean, sport's already subsidised by the uh, about a million volunteers that keep sport going. And so... Before this happens, uh, clubs were already starting to merge. Uh, netball clubs and rugby clubs were merging into sports clubs. Some rugby clubs that have long and you know multi-tiered um, success have disappeared, uh, and that's still happening, particularly in the regional areas where you know small small towns. Uh, rugby club is very central um, to their community, but they are having to merge. So I think that we're going to have to look at clubs merging and that is very difficult because people who work on club committees they love their clubs uh, they've put their hearts and souls into them for years and to merge with another another club or to close their own club and join another club that's very difficult people love those clubs so that you know there's going to be a lot of um, heartfelt um, pain going on it's the same as when we had you know, uh, Saturday shopping stopped the volunteers from being able to work. It's, this is just another crisis, and it's and it's going to cause more pain. But I do think that we probably have too many clubs. Um, as a golfer, I'm I'm thinking there are too many clubs. They only have one one hundred members or so. They too, they just can't exist anymore. I think that's what the change I see coming anyway. Susie Bates-Whitefern, opening bat. Uh, you know, you're an elite athlete, Susie, but I'm sure you are talking to and in close to the people uh, playing cricket, if not other sports, um, at the grassroots level? You know, how, how are they feeling and and how do you see things, uh, you know, perhaps for them the, over the next six months? Yeah, I think at this stage we've just been reasonably lucky as a sport with the timing and we're probably not going to know too much until it gets closer to the season starting. Um, but I, what I really have um, liked seeing is ANZ, um, the $1 million to community sport for cricket and netball, often that money does go to the elite professional end from the sponsors and they've recognised that, um, like all the others have said, that if we don't have um, young kids playing our sport, then we're going to be in trouble. And as much as we get it on TV and get the top end entertaining, um, our young people, if they can't afford to play, I think you know there's a real issue. So if that money from ANZ can do a similar thing and perhaps um, offer support to kid, cricket's an expensive sport if you need all the gear and things like that. So if they can provide kids over the summer um, and take down those barriers that they have to play.
Um, you also were, were a basketballer, um, obviously one of the keen sports, one of the growing sports in New Zealand. The youngsters just seem to, to love that game also. Can you see the likes of, you know, yourselves, you think, you, you know, even if it's voluntary um, or off your own bat, that, you know, you're going to have to get involved perhaps somehow more in, in the community if you can? Yeah, I think there's probably going to be a real opportunity. Um, a lot of the professional cricketers um, and basketballers now are spending a lot more time in New Zealand. Um, lately, we have been playing our trade overseas, so haven't much, spent much time in our own community. So I've seen it as a real opportunity in Dunedin and Otago to try and help out. I could perhaps get into some basketball coaching. It's the first winter I've spent here in a, in a while and help out my old school. But yeah, I think if um, sports use their players wisely everyone's going to be willing to help out um, whenever they can I think there's been a real crisis and it's made us realise how vulnerable sport can be and if we can help at the community level while still playing professionally I think it would make a massive difference uh, Steph Bond represents uh, players uh, Steph um, for many this is their occupation isn't it and, and they're going through uh, tough times as well so um you know, how are the the, the top-level athletes uh, just feeling about the situation and pay, taking pay cuts and, and the likes and, and just that whole filtering down through the system? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it has been difficult, as it has for everyone, though, I think, in society who have had to take pay cuts. And, and obviously professional players are no different in that. And, and some obviously earn a lot of money, but, I mean, I can say, and Jenny would say in netball, they do not earn a lot of money. So for them... You know, they've got families at home and, and they rely on this job as well, just like many other people in the public do. So I think I, what I'd say about the recovery package is that it needs to be targeted, and I think we've said that all, all the way along. And it, it really does need to reach the coalface. And and I guess our biggest concern is that it, some of it will get tied up in working groups or, or other um you know, inefficiencies at the top. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that it does actually get down to, to where it's needed in the vulnerable part of the game. And whether that's, um, you know, standing up, a, you know, you've got black sticks and who have lost their international competition. So whether it's been able to support games for them to play in New Zealand in the lead-up to the Olympics or whether it's, um, you know, that community game, I think. I, I mean, I sit on the Auckland Netball Centre board as well and I can tell you that, Looking at our financials, we're half a million dollars down from a community perspective at our facility. And hopefully if we get the sport back up and running, it'll mean we're only at a $250,000 loss. But at the end of that day, that money has to be found somewhere. And I think we need to empower the people at the coalface. They know how to run the sport. And I think, you know, that's where the money needs to be targeted. But I guess what I would say too is we don't want to cover up, um, you know, we don't want this money to cover up I guess, poor structures, and, and we need to, like Jenny says, take this opportunity as a chance to look at our clarity of roles and responsibilities across sport and make sure we're doing it as streamlined as possible and actually, you know, be able to look back on this and say, you know, the recovery package actually helps innovate our game and we're now able to actually be sustainable moving forward. So, so what is what is the coalface for the listener out there uh, is that like a, a sport Southland or, or are we talking a club or, you know, where? Well, look, I guess from our perspective, from a level perspective, the coalface is your, your centres, but your clubs and your schools as well. And, I mean, that's where our greatest participation numbers come from. So if we can get the money back 
to those areas and help drive sport again there, but doing it in an efficient way, I think, and, and using technology and making sure that the, the professional game is connected a lot more to the amateur game. I think that's really important. Um, and I, so I think it's a really great opportunity to look at some of those areas. So Gordon uh, f- uh, from uh, New Zealand Amateur Sports Association, it, does this mean something like uh, no membership fees uh, for the next uh, year or cutting it in half or to say just to get um, make sure that it, sport comes back at that level uh, strongly? Well, based on our analysis, uh, Barry, around 50% of club revenues is made up between grants and member subscriptions, with another 30% based on revenue from facilities if a club has that available. But um, I think the, the, the key thing, as we've been talking about, is to have clarity of thought around what the financial crisis demands of clubs. It is seductive to say that We need to change everything because the current model is broken. I think we need to understand is what we need to understand first is what has happened to the model over the past 20 years. 20 years ago, professional sport needed community sport to succeed. The tables have been subsequently reversed and of course many sporting codes have been effectively subsidising community sport through, through their success. I think one of the elements to think of carefully is what is the role of the community club? Is it actually to create the academy or the next academy player to find its way through to the elite game? Maybe, maybe there is a role. But uh, the association would suggest that, 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 that the real purpose of the community club is much broader and deeper and is all about keeping people involved in the game, either as players, volunteers, coaches, uh, but connecting people across the community. So to uh, Kevin's earlier point, are mergers necessary? Well, maybe, but let's not forget that clubs are about social identity and it's really important in times of crisis to provide a means for people to celebrate their social identity and to preserve it where appropriate. Uh, Jenny Wiley from Netball New Zealand. So have you been told... uh how you expect this money to to come, you know, say a, a part of it to to you? I mean, would you expect to be administering it some way? Uh, what about it? Would it completely bypass your office and go directly further down the netball chain or the community chain? Do you know exactly perhaps how this might work? And will there need to be further discussion at a parliamentary level perhaps of just how it's going to be spread about? Well, I think all of these voices are really important when determining how this money gets distributed. We we don't yet have clarity on how it's going to be filtered down, but we do know that the first tranche, they're wanting to get out there, out the door pretty quickly, and it's focusing on that regional and club level. And I think that that's really encouraging, um, but it is reset and rebuild. Um, yes, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we do need to ensure that this is good money that is invested wisely to allow the biggest opportunity for participation. So we, we are going to be involved in consultation. Um, as you know, I've got a really firm view that the sport that is uh, involved needs to have that conversation with Sport New Zealand. Um, but I know that they're open for it. Uh, the second and third tranche are going to be somewhat different and take a little bit longer But, um, look, what we want to do is have a seat at the table, um, ensure it gets to where it needs to, but it's done in a strategic way as well. It's not just a tactical um, getting money out the door. 
because it's there to be had. So, uh, look, a lot more thought needs to go into it. It's really complicated. It's only been out there for a week, so I think we just need to spend some time to really think through how it can be as efficient and effective as possible. So, Jenny, netball is a winter sport. Are you expecting to see netball this year? Yeah, I am. We're going to see. We, obviously, we've announced our ANZ Premiership will be starting um, on the 19th of June. And we also know our netball clubs are all getting ready to play. Um, they're wanting to make sure that it's safe, though, for when the kids come back through the doors. So, look, we're really excited that we're going to be able to provide those participation opportunities right through from that little Sally at grassroots level through to the elite and um, make a contribution back into our economy that way. Uh, Whitefern cricketer Susie Bates, what about you? I mean, I, I think you were meant to be on a tour about now. Are you, you know, have you got your fingers crossed? What are you expecting? Uh, first and foremost, as a fan, I'm just looking forward to some winter sport getting back on the television. So I think, yeah, that probably does need to be the priority initially. And then, look, we've kind of, um, yeah, everything's on hold and, looking to the end of September, fingers crossed, to have a series with Australia. So at this stage, um, it's looking pretty positive that we'll be able to get through domestic cricket um, and perhaps the trans-Tasman bubble, we can play Australia and potentially the Big Bash might happen, um, maybe fewer games and over a shorter period of time. But uh, that's all wait and see. But they are pretty positive about all that happening and maybe a few winter caps camps at Lincoln um, in July is kind of our first thing but I'm as keen as anyone just to see uh, netball, rugby, any sport back on the TV for the winter Uh, Steph Bond, Players Association uh, you're obviously going to be busy for the next uh, few months just trying to get all of these things uh, up and running while while things may not be happening on the field you'll be flat out Yeah absolutely, I think you know I'd just say that you know what both Jenny and Susie have said that the players are really excited to get back out on on the court and putting a good product out there and I think, you know, just giving something back to the New Zealand public that we can you know, get back to watching something on TV that'll help society And Kevin Norkey uh, how much of the golf fees? Are you going to be able to continue to uh, afford that with the, what, couple of dozen mates that you might have there or do you think you might have to, you know, combine with someone else? What, what, what about you for the rest of the winter? Well Barry, I put, I put uh, golf fees above food so I'll be fine, I think, um, with a bit of adjustment with the household budget. Uh, I'm really looking forward to life becoming normal again. I think sport is crucial and central to to what life's like in New Zealand. So, you know, I want to drive past football grounds and netball courts on a Saturday and see people out there enjoying themselves. And, you know, I want to come home and watch, you know, heroes and heroines on TV playing their sport. And then I want to go out and play it myself. And all of those things should be possible and when they are happening you know I feel like we'll be out of this uh, sort of dark hole that we've been in for a couple of months. Gordon Noble Campbell you're probably closest to uh, uh, the rest of the population the the majority of the population so you know perhaps how far are we away from uh, being normal or will things ever be normal again? 
Barry, there's a huge pent-up demand for people to get back into their local club environment and to get out on the court or the field or wherever it might happen to be that they're enjoying their sport. And it's part of playing the game, but also being able to connect with people in their community who share the same interests and passions as them in, in, in the sporting world. So I think the key thing will be how are the dollars going to be distributed and who's going to benefit Fingers crossed that we get back to some normality in the not-too-distant future. That brings us to the end of Extra Time for this week. My thanks to Jenny Wiley, Susie Bates, Steph Bond, Kevin Norkey and Gordon Noble-Campbell. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.